0: We've got some big baseball trades involving the Pittsburgh Pirates. Welcome back from your three-day weekend, everybody. Hope you had a great, great weekend, and hope you're ready to talk some fantasy baseball. I am Adam Azer with Heath Cummings, with Scott White, with Chris Towers... Garrett Cole is on the Astros, and Andrew McCutcheon is on the Giants. Can I hate on Andrew McCutcheon now and and not get as much
1: blowback as I got last year?
2: Mm. Why? Because he uh. went to the different team?
1: Yeah, I mean, he's a terrible ballpark. Did you think it was some kind of, like, Pittsburgh-based, like, mafia no, that was coming after you could, for your well, Andrew like, McCutcheon takes? Could there be a worse
0: ballpark for a hitter? I mean, this is, like, the worst ballpark. Well, I mean...
3: Pittsburgh is a pretty bad place for right handed hitters too. I, mean, I don't know if you want to get get into the full analysis, yeah. But.
0: how about this? How about this? Andrew McCutcheon made his entire season on one sixty three game stretch, and he was terrible every other <laughs> That's game. Like,
1: how many times do we have to do this? <laughs> like one more time at least. Player see well, no, not not about him, just like no player just hits – no player gets 1.6 hits every five plate appearances for the entire season. Mm-hmm. Like some guys are going – you're, you're going to have a four-hit game and then a one-hit game. Mike Trout has up and downs. So but like what about- this idea that you can – But you, but you're using it to take away from his entire season when what you should do is just say, look at his 2017 numbers. Did uh-huh. something happen at the beginning of the stretch and then at the end did he like – start a new training well, regimen I, I know you stop always say that soda in the morning
0: but what about the fact that i mean he was bad for about 60% of his season like really bad and he was trending down before that that doesn't that doesn't matter to you at all i just do you have the numbers yeah of course i have the, I how have the numbers how,
3: how bad he was
0: sure so andrew McCutcheon, in his first 47 games had a 631 ops in his next 63 games he had an 1126 ops in his last 46 games OPS. So 47 games with a 6.31 OPS, then a great stretch,
1: then 46 games with a 6.98 OPS. So if it had been like 22 bad games and then 17 good games and then 14 bad games and then 27 really, really good games and then 40... Kinda okay game, like. No, 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 no. no I just, don't, I don't no. think the shape of the season matters that much. Okay, fine, that's fine. Yeah. That's all you had to say. That's Especially all you had to when say. you look at when you look at his career trending down. Yes, nine fifty two OPS, eight eighty nine OPS, seven seven sixty six OPS, eight forty nine. There is a downward trend, mm-hmm. but twenty sixteen looks more like the outlier for Andrew McCutcheon than anything else. It's like, I don't know. It, I'm going to expect Andrew McCutcheon to be pretty good next year.
2: Yeah, definitely. And, and the park thing, like, it's mostly a terrible park for left-handed power hitters. It's, it's a bad park for right-handed hitters as well. Mm-hmm. But the park that is just as bad almost, like just barely above it for right-handed power hitters, is P- PNC. I looked at um, ESPN's
3: home run tracker was down or something, so I had to look at Baseball Savant. I'm not as confident reading their ballpark overlays because I haven't done it as much but assuming I was reading it right Andrew McCutcheon would have lost three home runs last year if he played every game at PNC Park he would have lost four if he played every game at AT&T Park and while all three of the ones he lost at PNC were pulled to left field a couple of the ones he lost at AT&T were hit the opposite way
1: I mean I, I it's it's a negligible difference right I think it's negligible. All, all, and it's a better lineup much
2: better
0: okay but McCutcheon all right so so here's the deal so we'll start off talking about these Pirates trades right we got McCutcheon and Garrett Cole we got Garrett Cole going to the Astros and then they also signed Felipe Rivero who might be playing for a terrible team and despite him being truly elite last year I mean his numbers were just outstanding um you know he might he might not get that many saves but Anyway, we'll we'll do this, and then we got some emails to read. Fantasy baseball at cbsi.com. But it's bounce back week. I want to talk about some bounce back candidates. I looked at some players who were drafted later this year than they were last year. Okay, obviously, but even some high end players like Mookie Betts and Chris Bryant. And when I say uh, drafted this year, I'm talking about in the mock drafts that we did recently. So I compared. Mookie Betts, Bryant, Donaldson, A.J. Pollock, Matt Carpenter, John Lester, Trevor Story, and Cole Hamels, where they were drafted last year and where they were drafted so far very, very early in this 2018 fantasy baseball season. So uh, we will take a look at them and whether or not they can bounce back. But, yes, let's spend some time on McCutcheon and Garrett Cole. So I guess we're talking about McCutcheon first. Uh, now you talk about the home runs. He had 28 home runs last year. And, obviously, if you listen to this podcast, I hated Andrew McCutcheon. I thought he was done. The Pirates were trying to trade him. He had a really bad 2016 season. Everything seemed to be going in the wrong direction. The guy didn't steal a lot of bases anymore, and he only stole, stole 11 last year. His home runs really didn't stand out in this environment. A lot, And I, I think – I'm pretty sure I said I'm okay with him in points leagues, but I really didn't want him in any categories leagues. And McCutcheon is better, a lot better in points. He was ninth in points at outfield. He was 15th in roto. But, but you talk about the home runs. I know you guys like the advanced data. He had his highest ground ball rate since 2013. He had his lowest hard contact rate since 2011. Andrew McCutcheon had his second highest home run to fly ball ratio of his career. So even last year with his 28 home runs, tell me that that makes sense. I don't think it does. I think he got lucky. I still think he's bad. I think he's going to be a bust.
1: I appreciate your willingness to double down. <laughs>
0: Thank
3: you. I think, I, I think, as Chris was even saying earlier, like, there is a a trend of decline here, and it's even more pronounced on the defensive side of it. I I would guess that's why the Pirates got so little for McCutcheon, Um. Is because teams just don't perceive him as that valuable anymore. And it when you begin that decline, you know, it's it's not it's not a big stretch to just see him dropping off a cliff at some point. And and so there is that danger with McCutcheon now at this stage of his career. I I don't think I'm going to have many shares in McCutcheon because of that. But at the same time, it's a top fifteen outfielder. I don't
1: really know how you argue against that. Yeah, and like it's not like you have to pay a premium for him. He went mm-hmm. 68th in our most recent mock draft. That's not, it's not a discount, but it's certainly not paying for what he was last year either.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I, I think he's probably going to be someone who's just decent, not great, but you're never really going to think about sitting Andrew McCutch. To give you also, you're right. I would not expect him to hit 28 home runs next year.
2: Probably closer to 23 or 24 like he has been almost oh, every career. Okay,
0: sorry. I thought you had more. Is that what you were going to say? That was your point? <laughs> Heath
2: is here, by the way. It's
3: tough to squeeze he's in He's just there. been an observer.
2: All right, Heath. What about Garrett Cole? Value up, down, or the same going from Pittsburgh to Houston? No question. Value up. He's got a chance to win a lot more games. I don't have any concerns about his role in the rotation. There's already talk coming out of Houston that Brad Peacock is going back to his super reliever position, which I think makes a lot of sense because he's really good in that posi- position, and they have... Injury-prone pitchers on this roster. So, well, yeah, maybe
1: they have seven or eight starting pitchers on the roster. They're going to need all of them. There's no, there's never been any question he's going to start as long as he's healthy. Right. Yeah. Well, they, the, I feel well, like they acquired Colt. Well, I feel like the most obvious reason.
3: There's so many layers to this deal, so we may talk about it yeah. in a while. But that they didn't have to give up. I, I feel at like. All
1: for him, well.
3: I feel like the, the the most obvious reason they got Cole is because he was some innings they could count on, and they have a rotation full of pitchers, aside from Verlander, that are don't have innings they can count on. So yeah, Cole's definitely a fixture in it. Now, is he the best pitcher? Is he one of their top three pitchers inning for inning? I don't know that he's one of their top five pitchers inning for inning. I was kind of disappointed from a fantasy's perspective because it means I'm probably going to have to move Peacock down now. There's... Obviously, no chance he's going to get 180 innings now. But at the same time, I don't. I I didn't really think there was a good chance he was going to get 180 innings anyway. And I've said, you know, a few times on this podcast already this offseason, I don't think McCullers, Lance McCullers, is ever going to be a 180 inning pitcher. Charlie Morton, you know, it's questionable we'll see him get to that level again. Like Keith was saying, they're going to need all those pitchers. And I think by design, they're going to need all those pitchers. I don't know if Peacock's projection really changes that much with this move because I think between McCullers, Morton and Peacock, they are going to be mixing those guys in. You know, we're going to, it's going to be like what we saw a lot from the Dodgers, the, the, uh, the Phantom injuries, the temporary removals, the skip starts, the, the shifting to the bullpen for all of them. Now Peacock's value still goes down. He's not going to be a top forty pitcher for me anymore because you're, you're drafting, you're going to draft him, and he's just going to sit there, and you're going to have to wait and wonder when he does get his chance to start, and that's going to be frustrating. And you may not have the patience for that ultimately. But um, will the final line look that different? I'm not sure, given the way, given the way uh, we're seeing teams manage their rotations now, and especially teams like the Astros and, and of course, the
2: Dodgers. You know, Sarah sort of really. Short for fan graphs, but a good piece on why the Astros might be the perfect landing spot for Garrett Cole. And basically it was kind of, there's a couple of things. One, I had seen this on Twitter. This looks like a really bad park change for Cole because of the home run factor, but strikeouts are about 10% higher at Houston's home park than they are at PNC. So it's been a much better strikeout park than Pittsburgh has been which makes sense the batter's eye changes those types of things but more than that it was that Cole throws his fastball too much yes yeah and the yeah. Astros as a staff throw their fastball less than just about anyone yep so they were saying you could ex- probably expect he's going to throw more curves and his curves pretty good
3: yeah that was the that was the secondary reason i think the Astros acquired Cole is because they really like Garrett Cole and the Astros above any organization have Learned how to mine the data with pitchers to get something out of them that the pitcher himself never even knew he had. Uh, we see, we saw it with Brad Peacock, obviously, with Colin McHugh, with Charlie Morton. Like, it, it's, it's just finding, unearthing these, these data gems and kind of reshaping a p- pitcher's arsenal around that. So if what's, they do that with Cole, a former number one overall
1: pick. What's interesting about that is the Pirates kind of have a similar, uh, What's the word? People view them kind of similarly, but it's almost like the opposite. The Pirates tend to do better with less talented pitchers. Yeah. And that fastball-heavy approach has been really helpful for someone like Yvonne Nova. But, you know, Garrett Cole, for as hard as he throws, his fastball results have been pretty mediocre. He throws it 60 to 65% of the time most years. The league is moving away from that. Um, and the Astros
3: are leading that move.
2: And, and here it is, just to give some credit. It was Derek Carty actually on Twitter. Um, Pittsburgh's home park actually has the 18th Woba rank. Houston's is down at 21st and that's because strikeouts are up 5% at Houston. They're down 6% at Pittsburgh.
0: Well, what's, what is that measuring? Like how many? Yeah. Years? I, well,
1: I wonder like when, what the time frame for that, how they account for that seems like, weird to me. Performance at a park versus performance away. I, I'm not. I'm not 100%. I don't know what the data there is. Well, alright, so, Garrett Cole, you guys have him around 30th
0: in your rankings. Uh, and he's coming, you know, like, you could look at the 2016 season and the strikeouts were down, but he was coming off 2015. He was the number 8 pitcher in fantasy with a 260 ERA and 202 strikeouts and 208 innings. 2016, he's got a 273 ERA and his first, 273 ERA in his first 16 starts. Which was interrupted by injury, and then Cole has a terrible finish. Last five starts, eight thirty seven ERA. Finishes with a three eighty eight ERA, but he had like a three thirty three FIP. He had a really high BABIP. I guess you could say he's still, you know, he got unlucky in two thousand sixteen. I don't know what the explanation is for two thousand seventeen. The guy just didn't pitch well. Four twenty six ERA. It's two straight
3: seasons of not pitching very well, Adam. I agree. Which is why I was saying inning for inning, he's probably not one of the Astros' five starters right now. Now, if they work their analytic magic on him. Like, I
2: I think with this trade, it's reasonable to think there's breakout potential for Cole now. But to clarify, he was not one of their top five pitchers last season. His season in 2016 wasn't good. It was a 3-3-3-fip. And Charlie Morton and Brad Peacock, for their careers, except for last season, would kill for that. Last two seasons, Cole has an ERA over four,
3: a whip close to 1.4. I mean, no, it's it's a little over 1.3. But it's not good, is the point. Like... Inning for inning, he has not been a very good pitcher, except for that one year, 2015. Um, so uh, yeah, yeah but, you I, know like, maybe just, maybe, just, maybe it changes. I, I I'm I'm willing to move Cole up some with this move. I'm not exactly sure. sure how. I mean, far. He, he's but. always
1: been a pitcher who seems like he should be better. I think we can all agree. On yeah, that. absolutely. Like, you watch Garrett Cole. Forget about the fact that he was one one. Forget about the fact that he like you just you watch him pitch and the results should be better. He's got a below average swing strike rate. Each of the last two seasons, he hasn't been above league average in strikeout rate, I believe since 2014. He's just, he hasn't been as good as we think he should I, be. I agree with that, but last year was his first year with a FIP over 333. Okay. But in 2016, he had a 333 FIP with a 6.8 home run to fly ball rate. His career rate is 10%. Mm-hmm. And his Sierra was 424. It was actually the worst of his career. You can look at different advanced stats. Sure. I just I don't think anybody can look at the way he pitched in 2016 and coming away with the conclusion that he wasn't anything but mediocre. And the other thing is the home runs. I mean, this is a guy who going obviously to a really
0: small park, but last year Cole gave up 31 home runs. He had never allowed more than 11 in a season, so he's got to get back to you know getting more ground ball. The ground ball rate's still pretty good, but I don't know that 31 home runs was crazy last year. And maybe he just has to learn how to pitch better. Maybe he just needs to use that arsenal more. And like Scott had been saying that there's room for upside. Well, all of you seem to be saying that there's room for upside and, and I guess a, I don't know if you can call it a breakout because he was a number eight pitcher in fantasy in 2015, but a bounce back. But all right, I'll give you some names. Garrett Cole or Tanaka?
3: Tanaka. I'm, I'm going to lean Cole now because Tanaka has his own, um, frustrations.
2: Yeah, I, I have not adjusted Garrett Cole's ranking, but it's going to be really close. I, I think I'd probably lean Cole. Cole or Paxton? Cole.
1: Oh, that was very quick. Um, I'm going to say Paxton. I would go with Paxton. What's interesting about Garrett Cole is I think we all agree that there's going to be upside. I think you're going to have to pay for a lot of that upside, especially after this trade. I don't think he's someone who people are going to draft at face value <laughs> over the last couple of years. I think people are going to draft him around the top 15 in starting pitcher and at that point I'm not that interested.
3: You know what when I when this trade, you know, it this trade took a couple days to com- consummate, but as it was unfolding, uh I tweeted out something to the effect of, you know, I don't I I don't think Garrett Cole would be one of the Astros' five best pitchers pitchers on an inning for inning basis and I got so much backlash for that <laughs> which seemed like, you know, my audience being a fantasy audience, I'm I'm used to having to say to them, don't just look at the ERA and web. But the like these people weren't looking at it and, and coming away with the obvious conclusion that he's been pretty average the last two years. Uh he's so a he, lot he of, has a he has a
1: a lot of a, name power. He's gotten a lot of credit in the popular imagination for results that for the most part haven't been there. And the irony of this conversation is you know who drafted him in our most recent mock draft at what I think is great value. Scott White in the 10th round. You're not gonna get him in the 10th round after this. No. He might go in the 5th round after this. <laughs> yeah, that seems early to me. Like, I wouldn't do that. 5th round for Cole? And, yeah, I mean, that would be too early. I, I can honestly see that happening. Yeah, I think, I
2: think 6th in a points league is, is fine. Alright. Okay, and
0: then, so I don't wanna spend all show on the trade, so let's just wrap it up. Tell me about the, the Pirate side of this. Getting Musgrove, getting, Michael Feliz, third baseman Colin Moran, and outfielder Jason Martin.
3: Well, people were underwhelmed with the return, and I understand why. I mean, part of it's because they're kind of overrating Cole as as we've discussed. But part of it's because usually when you trade in, in this environment, especially, and uh a mid level starter like that, you get a very solid prospect in return. And the Astros didn't really get that. But they did get some kind of some players who they they didn't have their their prospects thought kind of expired because the Astros didn't just, just didn't have room for them. Colin Moran, former sixth overall pick of the Marlins, actually had a breakout season in the minors last year. He's always been a good contact hitter. There were questions when he was drafted would he develop the power? 18 home runs and about 350 at bats at AAA. Uh, and I'm glad to see he's going to get the opportunity if, at least against right-handers. I would think uh, a platoon with David Freeze there to to play for the Pirates see if. See if he can do something with that. I think he becomes an in-all only sleeper, and if uh, if he hits well enough and that he starts getting at-bats against lefties too, he could become mixed league relevant.
1: It is worth noting, his prospect status did not just expire because he didn't get a chance. His prospect status expired because he was bad. Like, in 2016, he played at A Fresno in the Pacific Coast League as a 23-year-old, and he had a 697 OPS.
3: That's a bad That's embarrassing Some, some of his earlier years were pretty They're good though fine Yeah and, and when I say prospect stock expired I should point out MLB.com had him as the Astros fifth or sixth best prospect Which in the Astros system is obviously pretty high praise It's just I I don't think um, I don't think he's really generated excitement among fantasy owners Because there just seemed like no way he was going to break in for the Astros right.
2: Yeah. Okay. It's good news for him. It's great news for Joe Musgrove, who has had very, very good control. Elite whip numbers. Should be good at run prevention, assuming that hitters just don't hit him all over the place.
1: Yeah. The conversation we had about Jose Barrios last week where the minor league numbers – Scott and I at least think that the minor league numbers may never translate to the majors because he doesn't have like overwhelming stuff. I feel like Joe Musgrove is like the – the poster boy for got away with mediocre stuff in the minors, will not get away with it in the majors.
3: Well, and not to just slow this down, but did you see his numbers at, out of the bullpen? Because he was pretty dominant. It was like right at a strikeout per inning, so I guess that aspect aside. but um,
2: Which is know, where he's been in the minors for the last two two or three years as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah he
1: had a 144 ERA and 31 and the third innings out of the bullpen. Like, and I,
3: I don't, I don't totally disagree with the point you're making. Like, I don't, I, I, I question how much upside Musgrove really has, but it's, I'm intrigued. Yeah. You know, which is all I'm really saying for Moran, too. And as an NL only owner, these are two players who I'm going to, you know, might spend a couple dollars on.
0: Cool. And I think you guys, uh, maybe should consider dropping Felipe Rivero from the top ten closer. It's hard to be a top 10 closer on a terrible team and the Pirates could be a
2: terrible team. Mm. I I don't disagree I don't with you. Uh they've gotten a lot worse in the, over the last week. I I just can't get over how stupid it is for the Pirates and the Padres both to be doing this. I like, there's no point. Right. Uh, guys know, guys I don't they're
3: going to be a lot worse. I don't feel like they're going to be a lot worse. I know well, really? you don't think Aaron Cole and Andrew? You think Andrew McCutchen's good though? I think Andrew McCutcheon is I mean, it depends how much you trust War. I mean, his War hasn't been that great the last couple of years. But so. come on, he's going to be better than
0: whoever they replace him with. Well,
3: and a probably. Well,
0: Austin Meadows is going to get a chance, right? Well, he was so bad
3: at Triple, he's still a prospect, but he had an awful year at Triple A yeah. because of some injuries and whatever else. Um, but there is Jordan Luplow, who had a great year at Triple A, uh, you know, an OPS approaching 1,000. So either him or Adam Frazier, I would suspect. Well, maybe both if they, if Josh Harrison follows McCutcheon out the door. Um, they, they both have potential. And, and, you know, part of the reason I, I'm not so down on their return for coal is because they got immediate contributors who. <sighs> do they, they suck. Could be respected. <laughs> yeah, they they're, they're like, suck. they
1: suck. Well, they're 25 year olds who. Not them. Like, I mean, the, the Pirates. Michael Pirates' case have not been good in the majors. And in Colin Moran's case had one half of one good season in the Pacific Coast League. The Pirates suck, not the players they got back. That's what And I'm uh, did There's you guys see call Felipe Rivero <laughs> tweeting through the news yesterday? No. <laughs> right as the trades and his extension were announced, he tweeted the little guy making the face palm emoji and then Jim from the office screaming, what is going on? <laughs> <laughs> great. It's pretty fantastic.
0: <laughs> well, you know, bad teams with great relievers definitely could offload those guys uh, at the trade deadline. That's... Maybe why they signed him. Who knows? Um, And, yes, Brad Hand also. We'll talk about him in a bit. All right. That's your Pittsburgh Pirates portion of the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast here on Tuesday, the 16th. Let's get going with some other stuff. Here's an email from Michael from Surf City, USA. Dear Tops, Fleer, Upper Deck, and Score, when was the last time you guys bought a pack of trading cards?
2: Last week. Really? For a kid or for yourself? For a
3: kid. Okay. Uh, do, it, do These companies don't all exist anymore, right? There's like a monopoly in the trading card world. Have do I, I have that right? I, I have no idea. It's I'm been gonna. about
2: 20 years since I bought a, <laughs> these, a trading cards. You're card. the expert now. You I have, do not believe all of these companies still exist. I could not tell you which ones have been bought out. Shops so okay. is still around top. for sure. Yeah.
0: Uh, where is the love for Matt Olson? I don't see him ranked in Scott or Keith's, yes, Keith's top 300 <laughs> rankings. Yep.
2: That can't be possible. He might
1: be that's in Keith's top 300. Like, that's probably just, like, not reflecting the updates that you guys have made. Yeah, yeah, I've got
2: Matt Olson as a top 15 first baseman in Roto, so he's definitely in my top 300. He's my top 200. Okay. Yep. Just, uh, yep. just want no, to get I, uh, out
3: there.
2: I mean, we have talked about
3: Matt Olson a few times on this podcast, I know. Mm-hmm. Maybe, uh, Maybe our friend Michael here isn't a regular listener. I don't know. The, but The
1: difference between him and Reese Hoskins is Matt Olson struck out 143 times between AAA and the majors last year. Reese Hoskins showed much better plate discipline than he did. Um, Olson's closer to Joey Gallo.
3: Yeah, I mean, Reese Hoskins I feel like is better than Olson, But, I mean, Olson is going to get drafted in those middle rounds as a great sleeper for home runs. Like, I, I think he has 45-plus home run potential. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I don't like the strikeouts weren't so. It's not like he strikes out an Aaron Judge level, you know. Like he could hit 250, 260 with a ton of home runs, and you'll be happy you drafted him at that point. But, he could be Chris um, Davis with a K. But he's obviously not going to continue the 70 homer pace or whatever he was on last year.
0: Like that's mm-hmm. he could be Chris Davis with a C. Would you rather have Matt Olson or Greg Bird?
1: Olson. Olsen. Olson. Yeah. All right, Matt Olson or Eric Thames? Olson. Olson. Okay. I mean, they have about as long of a track record of success. I'd probably go Olson. If
0: you drafted Matt Olson and Indians relief pitcher Tyler Olson, you know you could name your team. Matt Ol- Olson Twins. Matt and Tyler. Oh yeah, Olson Twins. That's even better. Yeah, no, What's thanks. Matt and Tyler? Just kidding. I was going for the Olson Twins. All right, email of the day number two is from Rob, and he's inter- He's very concerned about our health, guys um chris should trust in health data the way he trusts in baseball data whole milk is better for you it is probably sugar especially hidden sugars those by other names in foods where you don't expect them like barbecue sauce ketchup yogurt etc that is affecting your health most adversely reduced fat milk has a higher ratio of sugar to fat and is thus worse for you and here's a sample of the research and he gave us a time.com link
2: well, I'm always arguing with Chris that he doesn't trust science, and I trust science. <laughs> so I, I'm glad that somebody we else is did on my have, side.
1: We, we did have this debate just the other day. Yeah. So i glad uh, somebody else is on my side with science. Uh, I don't think I was, like – I don't think I was, like, poo-pooing whole you milk. You were anti-whole we milk. We just don't buy whole milk. You uh-huh.
0: should.
1: Well I – mean, We'd like for you to be healthier. Man. The o- Literally the only time I have milk is when I have a bowl of cereal, and you know what I do with the milk when it's done? drink it i throw it down the drain you check it yeah. uh, milk it's is gross. gross we would like for you to be healthier milk is not gross so look at where it comes from milk is gross okay that's so real. cheese is gross um yeah so here's cheese the, is amazing. here's the thing i did <laughs> milk I did, once it goes bad is awesome <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. i did read the research on this article and basically what it says is that it's not so much the milk that's better or worse for you it's the effect of drinking the low-fat milk because it doesn't fill you up as much, and you tend to replace that with carbohydrates and sugars, which are bad for you. So it's interesting. Now the baseball portion of this email from Rob. Scott said he adjusted his – this is important, Scott. I like to bring this up because you say it mm-hmm. on the air, and people mm-hmm. might want an explanation. Um, yep. P, Scott said he adjusted his ranking of Zach Cozart because of average draft position. This seems to confound the purpose of rankings. If his rankings are to be useful, they should be created independent of and compared to ADP so that the discrepancies indicate value to us. If he bakes in ADP, then the rankings are far less meaningful. So I know you have a different philosophy on rankings, and uh, I would like for you to share that with our lovely audience. If
3: if I believed everyone matched up rankings to ADP, I guess that would make sense, but I I don't think that's a common practice. Um, I... I think the purpose of rankings is a draft guide. You should draft these guys in this order. And most, mostly that's influenced by how good the player is. But, you know, if I rank Zach Kozart 7th at shortstop when you could get him in round 18, I'm going to be telling people to reach for Zach Kozart in a way that's potentially destructive. So I don't want to do that. I, I think you know, if if I feel like a player is much better than the masses do, I have sleepers, breakouts, columns, underrated columns to to say that. I don't necessarily have to say it through my rankings.
0: Okay. So, yeah, that's kind of the different philosophy that Scott brings to his rankings and the explanation for that. All right, uh, some other podcasts that you might be interested in. Of course, we have Fantasy Football Today. Uh, you probably know about that one. What you might not know about is the Sportsline DFS podcast, which features Heath Cummings. And Mike McClure, who is a DFS expert for Sportsline.com, which by the way, you should subscribe to for like 10 bucks a month. It's extremely inexpensive and we'll make you your money back instantly. Um, Sportsline.com. But yes, we have the Sportsline DFS podcast, which is free, of course. And we record that five days a week, unless it's like MLK day, then we don't record. But yes, yeah, Heath and I will be doing that with Mike McClure later today. Uh, we've got a wrestling podcast in this corner. It's wrestling, MMA, and boxing. We've got the Flagrant 2 basketball podcast. We've got Off the Bench with Canelo and Bell, which is brand new and very popular. We got some really great podcasts. We've stepped up our podcasting game. And if you want a complete list, uh, it's not quite complete. It will be soon. I do have to make some additions to that page, but a mostly complete list, go to cbsports.com slash podcast singular cbsports.com slash podcast. As far as this show goes, uh, two a week for now, maybe three a week beginning as soon as next week, but certainly into February. Yeah, we're gonna ramp it up. We'll get to four and then we'll get to five a week and uh you're gonna win your league. So looking forward to it. And emails, fantasy at cbsi.com. We have reached a point where we don't have nearly enough time to read every email, so we're getting a lot of emails, but we will read uh we will read a lot of them. I'm very committed to that on both this show and fantasy football today, is making sure our listeners are involved, getting them on the air one way or the other, emails and tweets. And our Twitter handles, I am at Adam Azer, A-I-Z-E-R. Chris is at C-Towers CBS. Scott is at CBS Scott White. And Heath is at Heath Cummings Sr., at Heath Cummings SR. All right, the rest of your news and notes. San Diego signed Brad Hand to a three-year, about $20 million deal. And, boy, Hand, uh, pretty good, <laughs> pretty good last year. Uh, Just getting the numbers here. He had a 216 ERA. He had 104 strikeouts and 79 and a third and a 0.93 whip. Well, you know,
1: this deal's good for his trade value because it it guarantees that the team who acquires him will have him for a couple of years. And, you know, as they always say, a Brad in the hand is worth (laughs) two in the book. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Would you guys rather have Brad Hand or Felipe Rivero? Rivero. Ah. They. They've been so reticent over the last couple of years to actually lock Brad Hand into the closer's role that that's the only thing that gives me pause, but I think he's a better pitcher.
2: Yeah, I'm going to go with Hand.
1: Okay. And
0: uh, Addison Reed goes to the Twins. When will he take over for Fernando Rodney?
2: <laughs> Never. Every time Fernando Rodney's about <laughs> ready to lose his job, he will have ten straight scoreless appearances.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of... No, I'm not, I'm not done predicting. Fernando Rodney is going to lose his job because, if I, if I was done predicting that, I'd have to rank him a lot higher than I do. But, um, you know, I'm only drafting Reed in an AL only league.
0: Okay. And Jimmy Nelson's going to start a throwing program on Friday. That's good news. He is, quote, way ahead of schedule. Yeah. According to MLB.com. Good stuff. Howie Kendrick signed a two-year, $7 million deal with the Nationals. Just a utility player, it seems. The Blue Jays signed Curtis Granderson to a one-year, $5 million deal. So get excited for a good month-and-a-half stretch from Curtis Granderson. Uh Is he going to be a starter for them?
2: I would, Sometimes. Right now, I'd say yes.
0: <laughs> All right. And the Mets signed Adrian Gonzalez. Not going to be a starter for them, right?
2: Dumb, dumb, I, dumb. I mean, I hope not. Are we going to bet on the Mets making a good decision? Wow. He's, he's coming hard. Well, yeah. I don't
1: know. Like, look, the the whole he's not, no, not no, he's not going to start. Dominic Smith, he's just is a, safety still a, a young prospect. Jay Bruce, they showed a willingness to play him at first base last year of Dominic Smith. He is the insurance plan to the insurance plan. Okay.
2: It, yeah. Michael Conforto has an 0 for 15 stretch and Adrian Gonzalez is starting at first base. It's awful.
3: Okay. Mets fans like when you talk about how bad their team is, too. I've, I know. I've, I've discovered that. No, they season, love it. So my defense of the Mets is just angering Mets fans
0: out there. But, no, they do like when you talk about how bad
3: their team is. I know. I love being facetious.
1: They want you to hate your teams. Hey, team. Hey, hey, Collins as they do. is not the manager anymore. His weird – Quasi-Vendetta against Michael Conforto no longer stands. <laughs> okay. All
0: right, let's talk about some bounce-back candidates, and we'll finish the show with your emails. FantasyBaseball at CBSi.com, once again, the address. But i will probably get to four or five today. So, yes, when I say bounce-back, it does include some very high-end players that even if you draft them, like, eighth overall, you've got the potential to win, uh, like Mookie Betts and Chris Bryant. So, like I said, I compared... These guys, where they were drafted in leagues last year, our podcast league, which is head-to-head points, and a roto league that we did last year, or at least a roto draft. I don't know if we played it out. Compared to this year, the two drafts we've done this year, which would be points and roto. Actually, just to clarify, the drafts I looked at last year were points and head-to-head categories, not standard roto. So it's a little bit different just because of the smaller rosters, but anyway, you get the gist. So, Mookie Betts, last year, he was third overall in points, second in categories in our drafts. Uh, this year, he was the sixth pick in points in our points draft and eighth in roto. So, I know it's, you know, it's not that big of a difference, but look, it is a difference, right? Um, do you think Mookie Betts will bounce back and play like, he was the number one outfielder in fantasy in 2016. Uh Will he be worthy of a top three pick like he was, you know, going into last year?
2: Well, uh, we're certainly not drafting him that way. He, right. And we, I – for most players, you'd bet no. But I definitely think he has that – I expect him to bounce back and be better than he was. I don't think he will have a 268 if Right. Um. Right. I, I feel like
3: there's a lot of bounce-back already bank,
0: baked into just getting him back in the middle of the first round.
2: He should be a first-round pick.
0: All right, so let me just put it this way. Right? Obviously, it's Trout, Altuve, Goldschmidt are going to be at the top. Uh Who's four, and why not Betts? Because I think if you look at Betts, he had obviously a down year last year. In points leagues, to me, currently I'm leaning towards Betts as the number four pick. Uh, because he, as bad as he was last year for him, 264 batting average, he was the number four outfielder in points leagues. Uh, so, you know, there's that. In Roto, I'm not sure, but I, but I wouldn't rule it out either. So who, who would you take ahead of him at, at the four spot?
3: Arenado. Like to me, it, to me, it's a clear top four. I don't, I don't really mess with Arenado at that fourth spot. Just too high
2: of a floor. Yeah, and I would go Charlie Blackman. Yeah, it's in points.
1: In Roto, I'm going to say Trey Turner. Yeah, I think Mookie Betts, there's a group of five players who we've basically seen have the ceiling of a number one overall pick and the floor of, like, the eighth best player. And it's Mookie Betts, Mike Trout, Jose Altuve, Paul Goldschmidt, and maybe Nolan Arenado. I'm not actually sure if he has number one upside, uh, just because the places he helps you are the easiest places to find production right now. Um but like, I think we might have seen Mookie Betts floor last year.
3: But this kind of For gets sure. to what we were talking about last podcast. I'm not really pursuing ceiling with my first round pick. I just want him to perform like my first round pick should. Mm-hmm. And Arenado is, other than, other than Trout,
1: he's as safe as they get. Mm-hmm. I mean, Mookie Betts or Paul Goldschmidt I think are just as safe. Just because of the... But the skill sets
3: are... are I, I mean, Betts didn't quite perform like a first-rounder last year. Goldschmidt didn't quite two years ago. Yeah. I mean, in Colorado, we've seen Arenado have bad Babbitt years, and still, you know, he's leading the majors in home runs. He's leading the majors in RBI. <laughs> it's true. There's so many advantages. But those gender.
1: are, like I said, those are the easiest categories to fill. Well, Betts does, You need paid. a lot of those things, and he provides a lot he of those, provides those things. A lot, yeah. But when you can get Matt Olson, who might hit 45 home runs in the 10th round, it it lessens the impact. Whereas guys who can hit 25 homers and steal 25 bases, like Trout, Altuve, Goldschmidt, uh, yeah, they're great. Bets, they're great.
3: They're, but I'm not I'm not going to risk messing up my first round pick just because. Yeah, I just don't I think Betts, there's any
1: risk of messing up your. First so Chris, who are you taking, Arenado or Bets? Very minimal. I think I take Bets.
0: All right, and then the last thing I say is, yeah, Goldschmidt is kind of the inspiration for this segment in terms of bets and Chris Bryant because he he was coming off a down year. 2016 was a down year, and he slipped a little bit in drafts, still a first round pick, but he slipped a little bit, and obviously he he crushed it. So uh you know you can still get value even in the first round. Chris Bryant was the number three third baseman in points and Roto last year. Uh, he's had a nice year, but. Wasn't as good as what he did the year before. He had 10 fewer home runs, I believe. So, going into 2016, or 17 rather, he was 6th overall in points and 5th in the categories draft that we did. That's where he was drafted, a top 6 pick. So far in the two drafts we've done this year, Chris Bryant went 12th in points and 14th in roto. 12th in points and 14th in roto. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a drop of a 6, 7 picks basically. Even 8. Even 9! How about that? Six to nine picks. So, uh, yeah, Chris Bryant, is that too late? Is he going to give you great return if, if he gets drafted at the end of the first round?
3: I Maybe want Chris
1: Bryant to start striking out more again. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, like,
3: Chris Bryant and George Springer, I feel like they had similar stories when they got called up. Like, you see a ton of talent there, but is he going to strike out too much to take advantage of it? And both of them last year took a drastic had a drastic decrease in strikeouts to the point that it's one of their it's one of their biggest assets now. It how little they strike out? It's strike out at
1: about an average rate last season.
3: If like, but obviously the power he lost what ten home runs from two and years ago is from his MVP season. I don't know if that's really related.
1: Well, he lost like all indicators show that he dropped off pretty markedly in terms of how hard he was hitting the ball. Um his hard hit rate dropped almost to 8 points his average exit velocity was down to 86.9 miles an hour actually below the league average this is not the Chris Bryant we were promised right
3: but is that is that a case where correlation doesn't imply causation was it just kind of random noise in the batted ball
1: it could be but it does fit in with our accepted wisdom about you know Chunk up on the bat, make contact. Hey, oh, come on! We know he's not a 29
0: homer guy. He's this was a fluke,
2: right? I, I mean, think his problem is he he could bounce back a little bit. And third base is so incredibly deep. I I'm not going to take him in the first round. I'm not going to take any third baseman in the first round except for Nolan Arenado. Ar- oh
0: wow. Um.
1: Okay.
3: Great. Still a great player though. Like, do you, do you have him in the first round, Chris? Would you take him in the first
1: round? I think he's right around there. Yeah, I mean, he's my yeah, 10th like player, I think, so. Yeah, like, I think he probably bounces. Like, the the one thing that I would say here is, like, we're talking about safety in the first round. If you want upside in the first round, Chris Bryant is a guy who has, I still think, 50 homer upside because. And he's safe. Yeah, I Especially mean, if that. we he saw was, the downside last year. far
3: from being a first-round yeah. caliber hitter last year.
0: Well, in points, so this is another guy, like Betts, because of the improved plate discipline, Bryant was pretty damn good in points leagues. He averaged 3.77 fantasy points per game in 2016 and 3.54 fantasy points per game in 2017, which is still really good. The big difference was in Roto. He went from being the number 6 overall player in 2016 to the number 34 overall player in 2017. But when you get Bryant and you get bets with good plate discipline and scoring a bunch of runs, You know they're going to be and getting a lot of plate appearances. They're going to be good in points leagues. Roto could be a little bit different, but I think what's crazy—he had 73 RBIs last year, and the Cubs scored more runs last year than they did in 2016, which really surprised me. So that—that is a total fluke. 73 RBIs. He was terrible with runners in scoring position. He had 237. uh, So I don't know. He—he feels like a guy who's going to put up better numbers this year. Heath, you haven't uh, chimed in much. What do you think?
2: No, oh, I said he was a choker. And I do think that there's a little <laughs> bit of risk um, hitting at the top of the order in an NL lineup. It's hard to have a ton of RBI. If he's going to hit second again, you've got to assume he's not going to hit with as many runners on base as guys that hit third or fourth. Yeah, but I will I will forward. say
1: this. He play, He started 38 games batting third last season. He had a 964 OPS. I think we can all agree. Pretty good. Yeah. He hit 10 home runs in 38 games. I think we can all agree. Pretty good. Mm-hmm it's 13 RBI in 38 games batting third. Wow. With 10 like home, ten home runs. runs. That's weird. You know, uh, another that's just, player That's just that's just random. Yeah.
3: another player you can do this with for 2 years in a row is Corey Seager. I mean, as, as deep as the Dodgers lineup is, how is he always in the 70 RBI range? Yep. That's right. That's part of the reason I don't trust we've seen anywhere close to his best really for fantasy purposes either. Though yeah. um you know he he deserves to be drafted beyond Brian, obviously, but um I, I don't totally take his point per game average at face value.
0: Alrighty then, moving on, let's go to a little bit lower, Josh Donaldson. So Josh Donaldson last year he was ten, he was taken tenth overall in points leagues and ninth in our head-to-head categories league. Uh, so far in our early drafts this year, really you know at the end of 2017, but for this upcoming season. 25th in our Points League draft, and Donaldson was 31st in our Roto League draft. Heath, do you think Josh Donaldson could return first-round value?
2: I think he absolutely could return first-round value. I'm a little bit worried about one of the things that made him so good was the fact that two years in a row he scored 122 runs. He drove in 123 one of those years. He's absolutely going to get back back to that 35-40 home run range. This lineup could be awful. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that there's going to be near as many run scoring and RBI opportunities as he's seen in the past. I wouldn't be surprised if the batting average stays down in the 270s as opposed to the 280, 290 range we saw for a couple years there in Toronto. Um, So I I don't have much of an expectation of him getting his first-round value. I I think the ceiling is more like second, third, and I'm just not that excited about that.
0: Yeah, I want to back up something you just said. So... Uh, yeah, Donaldson last year played 113 games, but if he had played 155 games, which is what he played in 2016, I believe, yeah. If he played 155 games, he was on an 89 run pace. Compared to, what did he score that year? He scored 122 runs. So, 89 right. runs, and they, and they were 26th in runs scored last year. So yes, uh, you're spot on there. Chris, Scott, agree, disagree that Donaldson feels more like a guy who could give you, you know, second round value? I rank Donaldson like an early third
3: rounder, so I, I don't disagree, but a lot of that's just baking in risk. I mean, part of the reason he was so bad in the first half is because he was banged up, and he's getting at an age now where that's probably going to happen more frequently. I don't know that he can match the run in RBI totals from his early, his first two years with the Blue Jays, but if you just Look at what he did in the second half when he hit only two seventy six but you know appeared to be healthy again per game basis you know he was close to four points a game, so that would if he if he sustained that over a full season, it obviously would be first round production. I mean, I'm not sure it matters that much if you're if you're um, dinging him for risk or if you're dinging him for uh, expected production, but um I think I am a little more excited just judging from Heath's tone, to draft Donaldson than he is.
2: Yeah, I'm probably not taking him where he went in our last two drafts.
0: Okay. So Heath has
2: Bregman
3: ahead
0: of Donaldson. Scott has Rendon ahead of Donaldson.
3: In points leagues. I have Donaldson ahead in Roto.
0: Okay. And Chris, final word on Donaldson?
1: Uh He's clearly in decline. He's clearly still a very good player. No, not McCutcheon. Donaldson. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, Weird cool. that you have donaldson higher in rota than points
3: well just because Rendon's so good with the plate discipline it's more about so I, it's, it's yeah but Rendon is more walks than strikeouts so mm-hmm. at least he was last year so that that's more a reflection yeah. of wow Rendon is ridiculous in this format than
0: donaldson's not so good in this format all right so let's get to some emails we'll do we have five other guys that i had here Pollock, a little more interesting later in the draft. Pollock, Carpenter, Lester, Story, Hamels. That will be part two of bounce back week, which uh, I think we're gonna record tomorrow, I'll probably post it on Thursday. So some emails, fantasy baseball at cbsi.com. This is from Josh from Ontario. Chris, look what you have inspired. He's gonna get the all Valentine's Day team. Fantastic. Yeah. Bro. All right, Tyler Flowers
3: beautiful <laughs> he said uh were you were you ugging at the names ahead of time or were you ugging at valentine's day
2: i'm ugging at the concept the uh, valentine's day the and mention the of my name chris there's nothing good about this email uh, okay. nothing bad about
0: this email actually flowers is a good one yeah. flowers is
2: great. trevor love story
0: that's nice okay uh this one's terrible oh yeah. cupid's herero No, oh, that's actually really good no <laughs> it's
3: terrible this this idea that The worse they are, the better they are, is for people who aren't very good at coming up with good ones. I guess, but there is some that. We're going to fight. We are going to
1: fist (laughs) fight. Blake Snell the Roses. Very good. Steve Pierce by heart. Yeah. And the special fantasy analyst Chris the Towers of Love. Hashtag Huey Lewis. I'm strong and sudden. And I could be cruel sometimes, <laughs> but I just might save your life. <laughs> That's right. The Towers of
0: Love. Yes, it's good awful. stuff. Oh, oh come on, Heath.
3: The Dynasty League, Snell. You have the worst ones. Snell's Snell. like Martine People Spirit. You, you use Snell's name as Snell. Y'all, yeah, like money, this and yeah, so much problems. the so worst small. thing I've that ever heard in my so life. It was so
0: bad. That was so bad. I, like, I would look it. at it in the league and be like, what the hell. It would never get how bad Yasmani Money Tomas problems was. Never got old. It was it was it's, equally as bad every time I saw it.
1: It was Andrew McCutcheon outside of those 63
0: games. 100%. Like. All right, Christian <laughs> from Montreal. Hey, fantasy Matt Paul, Jed and Colton. Cardinals and for you. All righty. When it comes I said to it was jerkos. When it comes to uh, position scarcity in 2018, Which positions do you see as scarce in single-league formats? Does your strategy change in a single-league roto format with position scarcity instead of a mixed league? For example, third base looks much more scarce than second and shortstop in AL-only leagues. Well, having not done
3: an AL or NL draft yet, I can't speak to this with great authority. But I would guess, Chris, I know you're firmly on the – the, uh, with the idea that there really isn't much position scarcity in a mixed league contest. And I'm, you know, I'm not quite to the level you are, but I, I know it's not nearly as much as it used to be. Do you feel like, do you feel like that changes when you get into the league specific format?
1: I, I tend to think that catcher is really the only one that it makes a huge difference in. You um, know when you're splitting half of the league. Half of the well, yeah, pool because you're splitting like the whole player pool for both. Yeah. I'm sure I'm sure there are individual trends. Maybe third base is shallower, because you know, you look at the third base rankings right now. I guess I could see how it might be shallower in the AL. You got Machado, mm. who's yeah, Machado. I, guys, I will tell you what it is.
0: I mean, shortstop is bad in the NL. You've got Turner and you've got Seeger. And then it's like you also have Correa and Lindor and Andrews, Bregman, Cozart. Yeah. Trevor Trevor might,
1: yeah, Trevor yeah, Story might be there. the number three shortstop in NL only. Yeah. So that that's that's a big difference. And then if
0: I look at it, pitchers, usually deeper in in but the yeah, NL. Here's
1: the
3: thing. I mean, you were talking about third base. Oh, there's still all these great third basemen in the AL. My twelfth third baseman is Todd Frazier, assuming he's back in the AL. <laughs> um, if it's not. If you're not back in the AL, it's somebody worse. So somebody in an AL-only league is getting left out at a position where a lot of teams are going to have a really good player, and that's how you create—that's how you wind up with the disparity and have trouble keeping up.
0: Yeah. So
3: it, I mean, it—it—it it, it makes more of a difference there than it does in mixed leagues, absolutely.
0: And I think second base is a lot better at, in the AL too. Uh, you, you do have Daniel Murphy.
1: <laughs> that's it. I yeah, mean, yeah, I mean, moved to the AL. Paul DeYoung is
0: somebody that Heath likes a lot, but that's it in the top ten. DJ LeMayhew maybe, but most of second base it's Altuve, Jose Ramirez, Dozier, Cano, Scope, D Gordon, Whit Merrifield. American most League most positions are worse than the NL. Yeah, middle is just, talent, field much just not as much talent
2: in the National League. In the AL.
0: Okay, uh next email is from Adam in San Diego. I'm considering getting the names of all of my championship winning fantasy teams tattooed on my body. Best idea or worst idea ever? Yes. <laughs> Do,
3: wait, I got I got a question cuz we we might you know, I I I yeah. I Okay, interesting question. Go ahead. Do we need to reboot? Do any what? of the four of us have a single tattoo?
1: I I think I'm gonna get one for my 30th birthday. My wife is really judging me hard <laughs> for this decision. Uh, she is not a fan. Uh, I okay. I told you you were getting ready to become a fan. But lady. that's I'm something. To keep about in mind general.
3: what your wife thinks of something. The primitive. answer, the answer is no. on your body. The answer is no.
1: No,
0: yeah, I have. And, I have and that's one. weird, right?
3: Four four dudes. Thrown I don't into a, Four dudes randomly thrown into a, a a scenario like this, and none of us have a tattoo, that's that's become a, an oddity in 2017, right? 2018. But also,
2: Adam, you should absolutely
3: do
1: it. Not me, other Adam. I, no, I mean, you. you should get Adam's fantasy, the other Adam's fantasy team names tattooed on your body as well. Oh my god. Uh, that, would, that would not go
0: over well with anybody that I know. So, yeah, uh,
1: I don't think it's a great idea,
0: but hey. You're talking to the wrong group here, and he wants us to do a "You Be the Judge" segment on Johnny Cueto. So Adam has actually named the segment that we did last week, where I make two of you take sides, even if you're, you don't even believe it, and then somebody else has to judge it. Uh, would you guys like to do that for Johnny Cueto? Sure. Can you do it? In, can you do it in like 20 seconds each? Okay. All right. Uh, Scott, pro Johnny Cueto. Heath, anti Johnny Cueto. I am going to use a timer, and I'm going to cut you off, and we are going to start right now. Scott, you are on the clock, Pro Cueto. We saw this from
3: Cueto a couple years ago, that year that was split with the Royals. The numbers, particularly with the Royals, just weren't that great, and I think last year there's more of a built-in excuse. He had blister problems. He was pitching through most of the year, finally shut down some in the second half. Uh, but the underlying numbers still look
2: good for Cueto. I think he's fine. Oh my God! We saw this when he was in Kansas City. He had a three-four-four 4 ERA that year. Four seventy-six, four, 4 seventy-six, and thirteen with full season. Are you arguing four against him? Come 24. on! full season statistics are generally more predictive than partial season statistics. He had a four-five-two ERA. He only threw hundred and forty-seven innings. The fact that he was hurt
1: does not make him a better draft pick. Okay, wow, you guys nailed it. that. Was like nineteen and twenty seconds. Chris Towers, who won? Uh, I don't appreciate Heath cynically quoting one of my favorite uh, statistical <laughs> analysis things. I um, so I'm going to dock him points for that. Scott, uh, you're wrong. He's and your heart wrong? wasn't in it. What? Johnny Cueto's, the blisters. Johnny what the Cueto's, was Johnny Cueto's strongest assets as a starting pitcher have always been his ability to induce weak contact, namely ground balls, mm-hmm. and his great control. Last season, his control was below average. He walked more batters than the average Major League starter, and his ground ball rate dipped from 50% to 39%. Because now, he had sure, blisters. Maybe, maybe blisters. he just had blisters last season. Hey, Chris, Cut him off. You're, yeah, you're
0: a
2: part of I'm the 20 the seconds, too.
1: <laughs> I get to take He's as long as I want. You know how long Aaron Judge at bats are. He takes a lot of pitches. I will like him a lot more
2: if the rumors are true and they go sign Lorenzo Cain as well.
3: Velocity was similar, strikeout rate was similar. I think he's fine. Their defense I think he's will be, fine. be very good if they can put him. And you on. believe that, Scott? That was no, a real I, argument. I, I believe he's. I mean, I don't rank him like a top 15 pitcher like I did a year ago because that would be dumb. No, no ranking to do back, that. of judging K per nine instead of I, K percentage. I'm not scared of drafting Cueto. Oh, that
0: argument again. Okay, last one. Uh, I don't have a name here. This is from Mike. Then let's just say in Mikeville. 12-team categories, on-base percentage instead of batting average. I can keep up to three players. I can keep them for multiple years. Give me three keepers. Jose Ramirez in the 7th, Springer in the 5th, Buxton in the 12th, Alex Wood in the 12th, Drew Pomerantz in the 18th. Okay, so obviously guys, it's uh,
2: having convulsions, thinking about the greatest league ever created. It's Ramirez uh, in the
0: 7th and Springer in the 5th, guys. I'm sorry. Who's the last one?
2: Ramirez, Springer, and Buxton. Buxton.
0: Yeah, I uh, agree. Okay. Sorry to cut you off. we got to get out of here because there's another podcast about to start. And that will be the Pick 6 podcast, the best NFL podcast in town. Pick 6 podcast. Check it out. For Scott, for Heath, for Chris, I'm Adam. And we'll talk to you later in the week with Bounce Facts Part 2.